Hi, this is Patrick Rivera, the Director of the Office for Young Adult Ministries here in the Diocese of San Diego. This podcast is brought to you from one of our Theology on Tap recordings. Our Theology on Taps are just one part of the many various events and gatherings we sponsor here in the diocese throughout the year. If you're new to San Diego or would like to hear more about our gatherings and the ways in which we actively engage in ministry, please stay tuned till the end of the podcast for more information from our Associate Director, Pamela Poe. In the meantime, I want to wish you a wonderful day and may God bless you always. Now we're going to transition into our talk for the night. Uh, the reason you guys all came to Theology on Tap, in addition to you know the tacos and beer and great fellowship. Um, so Anthony D'Ambrosio um, is our speaker for tonight, and he left seminary in 2010 to seek a more creative way to bring the gospel into contact with post-Christian culture. After spending five years growing a successful youth ministry, he founded a creative agency in Dallas, Texas that partners with entrepreneurial ministries and startups to help them build their tribes and rally people to their causes. He is also one of the founders of Catholic Creatives, an organization focused on sparking a creative culture of innovation in the church. He loves poetry, scotch, Lord of the Rings, MMA, and cooking. Thank you. Thank you so much. Guys, it's, uh, it's awesome to be here. It's awesome to hear a bio written about you by your coworker. That's like, <laughs> it's really funny to like hear myself being propped up like that. Uh, and it's very unfamiliar to me. And there's a lot about this uh, sort of scenario for me that feels a little strange because I'm not a speaker in the way that a lot of other people who go to these things and talk uh, are. I'm not even an, an artist. And I'm supposed to be here and to talk to you a lot about beauty, and you, you typically would think that the person that would do that would be like a philosophy professor or uh, some sort of major artist that's dedicated their life to making beautiful things. And for me, that's actually not my art. Uh, my art actually is about building community. I have a, a company that I helped to found that's a marketing firm, and I... I we do art, but I, I'm not the artist. I'm the one that helps to make it happen. I helped to found this creative community uh, that is all of these artists and entrepreneurs coming together to make something beautiful. And I, I've been really trying to grapple with like, okay, what do I bring as a artist of community to a talk about beauty? And I, I came to this punchline uh, that I just want to push out to you guys right now. And this is, this is the part of my talk that's just directly about beauty. Okay, we're Catholic, so we believe that the most beautiful thing in the world is God. But our, the way that we think about God and the way that we talk about God is different from every other religion out there uh, in that our God is not simple. Our God is a triune group, a community of persons that are all distinct and individual. And in their community, there's this beautiful outflowing, this ecosystem of life that is the universe. Okay, and so beauty goodness, truth, all of that is in community. A community of persons that are all unique individual that remain individual. They don't lose their identity. They don't lose themselves. As they come together, they become more themselves. They become creative and they make, okay? That is beautiful. That is the most beautiful thing ever. So beauty and community are one. 
The most beautiful thing in the world that you will ever experience is a taste of the Trinity. It is community. It's family. It's unity. And so that is my talk about beauty. Now we're going to talk about community because that's my thing. So my experience growing up of beauty, say everybody has many different foundational experiences of beauty, but the most, I think, important thing to just like give as a, as a little baseline definition to give you as a couch for like what we're going to talk about here. Plato talks about beauty as the splendor of truth. And I love this definition because beauty is always an incarnation. It's a, a fleshed experience of something that's true that you can't put into words. It's something that is a movement, an experience of being known, seen, of something meaningful moving deep within you that you, you can't really describe after the experience. And one of the first experiences that, that I had that was like that, you can picture, picture this, it's uh, Anthony D'Ambrosio, eighth grade uh, kid, I guess, maybe, maybe ninth grade. I'm in the top bunk of my house in suburbia, Dallas, Texas. And I've got this little Walkman with a little CD that's, that's a, a burnt CD. It's in a, uh, a, a little, you know, a little, like, you guys remember these things. Uh, I've got styrofoam, head, uh, styrofoam headset. And the CD is Blink-182's Mark, Tom, and Travis show. And I, listening to this CD, uh, which many people would not immediately think is the definition of beauty for this, you know, but for me, this was like a moment where I looked up into the, the rafters of my house and was like, somebody gets me. Somebody from Southern California that I have never met all the way on this other side of the world sees the same thing that I see, feels the same thing that I feel that I could never explain to anyone and opened up his chest and out of that emerged this delicious combination of pop, punk, rock and a testimony and anthem of the brokenness of the world you know it, it was this like moment of this is the rebellion that I've been waiting for my whole life and I am joining it and to join that rebellion the thing that you have to do after that you hear Blink-182 and you have to go to Warp Tour so uh, and many of you are laughing because you know what Warp Tour is but uh, for those of you who don't it's this like utopian you it was this utopia where any person could be whoever they wanted, uh, could go and uh, join in this, this fellowship, this tribe, if you will, of people who came together from all walks of life because they had this same kind of experience of the brokenness of the world that they wanted to rebel against. And they had whatever hair they wanted, they had whatever clothes they wanted, and they came together and they had this dance that was legendary that was just for them and it was called mosh pitting, okay? And so if you go to one of these shows, you learn how to uh, join in slam dance mosh pitting. And one of the things that I loved about it was that you see all of these really gruff, like intense looking people that want, they look like they want to destroy each other. And when the bass drops, they're all in the circle and they run into each other as hard as they can and everybody's like thrashing out. But when somebody falls over, those people get around, for, they, they help the people up that fall down. They're like dusting them off, okay? At the end of the day, we're all on the same team. Now let's get back to it, you know, and push you. So, but that was an inverse of all of the experiences that I had in middle school. Amen? Amen. Nobody picks you up there, man. Okay, so I was, a little bit of context for this, I was a homeschooled kid, okay? And every kid is a creative, but 
homeschooled kids stay creative longer and they're just a little bit more weird about it. So if you've ever had a homeschooled friend, like they're working on their science fiction trilogy from the time that they're seventh grade to like freshman year and then they actually get it published, you know, and then they're like in high school, they're on tour, touring their book around. And you're like, how did that happen? You know, but they are horrible at talking to people and social skills. So that was me. Uh, and I was as homeschool as you get like in that opening of Mean Girls, okay? So it was very like locked in a closet kind of homeschooled kid. So I, going into middle school, I got thrown into the, into the, the sharks at uh, Flower Mound Public Middle School and my experience there was like the opposite of what I saw at that mosh pit. Okay, because everybody in middle school was out for themselves and there was all of these regimented rules that sucked but like the rules that sucked the most were the ones that you didn't know about you know like I didn't know as a kid that that you really needed to make sure that you sagged your pants a little bit before you walked in that was an unwritten rule that was not on the paperwork okay there was a lot of other rules like that but the biggest rule was you're out for yourself you're out for yourself, and you got to make sure that you have the right slouch, the right face, the right friends that you're seeing around the right people, or you're going to be food for the sharks. I didn't know any of this. And to give you an experience of what that was like for me, when you go in uh, to middle school and you don't have any friends yet because you're a homeschooler, going into the lunchroom is the most terrifying thing ever, right? Because you don't know where to sit, you don't know the pecking order, uh, but you have to find somewhere and you don't want to be seen sitting alone. So it's kind of a conundrum. And I remember seeing this group of guys that I thought were pretty cool and I was like, if I can get in with those guys, then I'll figure it out. And I would go in and sit down with them uh, Three, I, I, it was like four or five days in a row. They didn't know who I was. Kind of a weird thing to do. Just a random like kid with huge glasses sitting down with you. And eventually, this kid Charlie, who's the cool kid, he like looked at me and he was like, "Dude, why are you sitting with us?" You know? And I was like, "I don't know. You guys look cool." And I was like, "Yeah, but you're not. So can you leave?" And I was like, "Well, that I, it, it was this very intense moment of uh, rejection." And I decided that. If I left, he won, which is <laughs> like not the right thing to do. But, you know, a middle school kid, you just don't know what you're doing. So I just kept on sitting with him. And eventually they just like the teacher was like walking just the right, just the, so perfectly timed. It was like a con, you know, like all of a sudden they all just started punching me in the face and then like knocked me off. And then when they when she turned around, they were like helping me up, you know, and it was this experience of what it truly was like to be living in a world where everyone was out for themselves, okay? And I saw that and I was like, this is broken, but somehow all of the people here like him. They like this kid. Why is that? And I decided that I needed to figure out how to be like that in order to get along. Now fast forward, I joined a band because that was the way to... Uh, to be a part of the rebellion against the brokenness of the world, right? But at the same time, I was going to classes, confirmation classes, where they were teaching me about the communion of saints. And I want to point out that right here is a huge missed opportunity for young Anthony, because if there's such a thing as the communion of saints, then I should be experiencing that in catechism class. But what I was experiencing there was boredom, and what I was experiencing at punk rock was communion of people, right? So I go into that, I'm doing the whole band thing, and I had decided that 
the best way to make my life about rebelling against the world was to go to Warped Tour myself. And so I made my entire life about that. And I wasn't a very good musician, but that's okay. You actually don't have to be a very good musician to be a punk rock kid. Uh, you just have to be able to give, give experiences to people that they won't forget forever. Okay, so our shows, they weren't about the music, they were about the silly string fights or the shaving cream battles or like huge cake fights that happened or these gigantic like uh, designed experiences that were hilarious. And we started to grow this group of people that was like our, our squad, our gang. But I had a wake up call as I started growing up. You know, junior year, things became less innocent. All of my friends were taking drugs. They were self-medicating. Everything around me was falling to pieces. You know, the Blink-182 line that I was listening to, that was part of the thing that woke me up. Everything is falling to pieces. Help me, God. Help me, Jesus. That was what I was experiencing around me as this world was falling apart. My friend Mikey committed suicide. My friend uh, Jessica left uh, because she had gotten pregnant and got kicked out of our school, which is the, the most in, insane thing that I've ever heard for somebody that's like pro-life. But the point is, I was experiencing the brokenness of the world and rebelling against it, but I couldn't do anything about it. And that was the futility of the punk, punk rock world that I was into. Many of you are wondering, why, why are you talking about punk rock when we're talking about beauty? I'm going to get there. Just stick with me here. The experience of my world falling apart was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. So eventually, my band got sent to Warp Tour, but I got kicked out of it right before. So it was like, my dream is here. It's right here. And it fell apart. And all these guys go off to Warp Tour, and my life is in shambles, and somebody invites me to a Steubenville conference. And at that Steubenville conference, I was super skeptical. I, was, I had these side bangs that were crazy. I had gauges. I was not the guy that you think like that. That dude is going to get into this. But when I was there, I saw something that I had always wanted that was more true and more beautiful than any punk rock show I'd ever been to. Because here, there were people who were like the farm boy from Kansas. There was the kid who was like super goth. There was every single walk of life present at this thing coming together and when they were singing it wasn't just about the brokenness of the world it was about their own brokenness like we need you Jesus it's not just the world out there the world out there made this made this bad for us all the bad baby boomers screwed up the world for us kids you know like no it was we're broken I'm broken I'm in sin I need God and there was this equilibrium that was there. Like dance circles would just erupt out of nowhere and no one, no one judged you for how you looked or how you behaved in them. There were free hug signs that people were holding and you could just go up and get free hugs. I mean, that's heaven, right? I would go into this and I, the, the most amazing moment for me was this cheerleader that I had judged my entire life. Like ever since middle school, I just hated this girl. She was sent on this retreat too. And on the way back, we were in the bus and I was like uh, generally in, in around her. And she started talking to the person next to her who was not at all like a jock. 
uh, broke the social boundary there and she started talking to him about what this retreat meant to her. And then she just starts crying as she's confessing like the abuse that's been happening in her life. And in this moment, I was like, this is a taste of heaven. Like this is the rebellion that I've always wanted to be a part of. It wasn't that rock show thing. That was beautiful, but that was only a part of the truth. Like this right here, this is the heaven I want to be a part of. And I immediately latched onto it and I became a fire-breathing, passionate Catholic. And the first thing that I did with that conversion was I went back to my friends who were in the Warped Tour world and I tried to convince them that God existed. And if you've ever tried to convince them, convince atheists that God exists by explaining to them God academically, you find that there's this weird thing where they just don't understand you at all and it becomes really like unhelpful conversation. Uh, I did this, I would get into chat rooms and argue with my Protestant friends uh, or not friends and I would try to convince them that the Catholic Church was the one holy true church. And I also found that that didn't work. I ended up going to seminary because I was like, I just need to learn how to do this better. I need to learn how to have a better punch, you know? So like I need to go to MMA training so I can fight with the atheists and fight with the Protestants so I can get them this experience of the triune God that I've experienced. And I think it's kind of funny because this is a normal thing that a lot of people do, but I don't know why. Because if you ever experience something like a flower or an amazing song, let's take a CD. When I listened to Blink-182 and I loved it, I didn't try to write down the sheet music and explain the music theory behind it to get somebody to like the song, okay? I just gave them the CD, you know? But as Catholics, I feel like our, our weird habit is that as soon as we try to get into, like, explaining the faith to people, we move into this completely other mode that's like, okay, transubstantiation, accidents, substance, it's this huge awesome thing, the true presence of the Eucharist, and we never do a good job of inviting people to adoration. You know, like, nah, that's a little bit more awkward, right? What I want to say to you here, the point of everything to me that I'm trying to bring out is that my dream for the church my dream for you is that we would become better as a people at speaking in the language of God, which is beauty. That when we try to articulate these truths about ourselves and about God, that we would learn how to speak creatively, how to speak the things that can't be spoken directly, but to reach into our souls the way that Tom DeLonge reached into his own heart and let out that amazing howl that I first heard that made me feel like I'm understood and I know something now that I didn't know before. But the problem is, if we want to become better at doing that, we have to become better at getting naked. So here's the, the really challenging part that is the most challenging part for me, which is that a trinity, the triune God, the most beautiful thing in the world, modeled in the world, is a naked community of people, right? The Garden of Eden is people being naked together. That's kind of an awkward thing for a Catholic speaker to say, right? But the truth is, 
Our deepest longing is to be completely vulnerable with each other, and the deepest problem of our humanity is that we don't know how to do that with each other anymore. And so we invite each other to come to speeches and talks, but we're very bad at figuring out how to give people the CD. So what I want to do is practice that with you a little bit myself just to say like look this is really hard for me to learn to talk about God it's so deep to talk about beauty it's so deep that I can't really just give you a talk about it and honestly that wouldn't be me so I'm gonna practice by just reading you a poem I wrote and after that I'm gonna invite you into practicing with each other so I hope that this resonates with you if it doesn't that's totally fine this poem is called On Hiding. What does it mean to be created to be like God in a chain that stretches back past parents and parents' parents to a naked man desperately covering himself in leaves hiding in a bush? Was he feeling paradise slipping from his once innocent hands even as he tried to coax himself out? Why am I doing this? Why can't I be naked with you anymore? But now after such a bite-sized sin, the glory shifted away from him like a cloud upon a slight breeze. How strange must that first hiding have felt? I know it well, though. I started hiding young. I hid in my bathroom in books, when my mother passed by, drowning in debt, looking for help. I hid my report card. I hid a pile of dust under the rug in the garage from my dad. I hid the name of Joy, my first grade, my first grade crush, in a box on my dresser. I hid from puberty as long as I could, until my babysitter, who had a seatbelt belt with bottle caps on it and spaghetti-strapped breasts, I hid my glances at her and my thoughts, but they swelled out of my pants and I flushed into a rose blush and hid that too. In seventh grade, I didn't know how to hide my tube socks and my tucked-in shirt and my drawings of Goku helping the Jedi fight the Black Riders on Hoth. So when Charlie D punched me in the face when I tried to sit with them during lunch, I hid the bruise. Or I hid in my bed after three weekends in a row of no friends, and I hid my tears though no one came looking for them. And I hid them in magazines, and I hid those under my pillow. So when I packed my box of boyhood treasures, an old two-cent penny from the Civil War and a story I was writing, writing about Jedi in a feather headdress, I took them and I buried them in the sand in the creek. I hid from school with my skateboard. I hid from the cops on fifth behind the dumpster. I hid my God self from my friend self and my friends from God drawing anarchy signs on underpasses and crosses and confirmation classes. I hid during most confessions on the dark kneeler, afraid to say that. I hid my broken window, broken from when I snuck out to hide my pain from myself, to make out with girls, and I hid them from each other. And if you asked me what I was hiding from, I wouldn't even know who you were talking to. But every fist pump mosh pit punk rock anthem every beer drunk was just a kid trying to dig himself up 
to say, this is what I've been trying to say, Dad. I've been trying to come out this whole time, but I just didn't know how. Beauty isn't about something you are looking at. It's about something looking at you and saying, I understand, and I see you. In a dark, and in a dark room on a Saturday night, kneeling on carpet squares, that boy found beauty looking at him through a telescope made of metal and glass and a little piece of naked body floating on a cloud of voices making the music that Warped Tour wanted to make, all the warped and broken people saying, me too. Lazarus, come out. Wake up, little boy. Wake up and walk out of that bed. Walk out of that death. Break out, son, from that bathroom, from that cave. On the other side of that grave is the garden where you can walk naked and unashamed in your living room and find room to live free. And if you ask that boy, what does it mean to be like God now, he'll tell you it means to learn to come out, to seek instead of hide, to put down your leaves of fear and to streak naked through corporate America, writing poetry instead of reports, to show the world that you don't have to hide in your bathroom when your family passes by. My confession to you is that making something beautiful means making something real. and trying to say something real. And that can be really hard. And I've spent a lot of my life not being real with people. And the rest of my life I want to make about learning how to come out from hiding, how to show what's inside of me to other people. And my dream for you is that you would be able to learn from each other as a community how to come out of hiding with each other. How to make moments for each other rather than explaining how you feel or arguing. As a church, we're amazing at arguing with each other and we're horrible at writing poetry when we're upset with each other. And so my challenge to you is this. Tonight isn't about something that you learn, it's about something that you start to practice. And I hope that what you would start to practice from here is the fact that art isn't just about being an artist. You don't put it down when you're in eighth grade and you realize that you suck at drawing. It's about love. It's about making a concrete thing that you can't say with words and putting it in front of someone else so that they can see what's really inside. So what I hope is that we can practice that a little bit tonight. So I've got a challenge for all of you. Um, we're going to take some time where we're going to actually draw. I know a lot of you guys haven't drawn in a long time, so maybe that's a little bit uncomfortable. But we have pieces of paper and we have pens out there. And if you don't have enough light, you can go ahead and use a phone flashlight to turn it on. But I'm going to challenge you all to take two minutes to draw a picture of what your dream life looks like. Five years, miracles happen, everything goes totally right. 
an expression of all of the love that you've ever wanted for yourself in your life. I mean, to just draw a stick figure picture of that. Two minutes. Doesn't have to be a masterpiece. Doesn't have to be a work of art. All this is, is just practice on getting real with each other. And anything can be in that picture. So I'm going to invite you to take, take some time, be, be quiet, go into that zone, just draw like you were, you would draw when you were in second grade. Right now, your masterpiece that you have just made. This is this is the moment of truth, people. This is the hard part. This is the time where you get to share that. It's show and tell. Okay, so what you're gonna do is you're gonna go around the table. You're all gonna show each other your drawings, and you're gonna explain what they mean. Each piece on the the drawing, you're gonna be like, this is what this means to me, and this is why I want it. Okay, so this is the practice. This is the hard part. But just know, it's amazing. What can happen when you have this kind of conversation? And also, this is not about being a good, good drawer. So if it's if it's funny, if it's hilarious, if it's lame, whatever, it's just practice at being real. So just be real. Share it with each other. Go. Okay, if you haven't finished sharing yet, that is okay, that is okay. We're gonna move into the next part of the activity. So now flip your paper over, go to the other side. The challenge on this one is to draw whatever is holding you back right now from having that life. Draw a picture of what it is in your life right now that's holding you back from getting to where you just drew. Yeah, what is in between you and that life that you want to have? Okay, go ahead and share them with each other. Present. And when you're sharing, uh, just here's, here's an instruction now. I want you guys not just to let each person get away with just like sharing it and then putting it down, because the natural thing is to like breeze over it as fast as you can and not talk specifically about what things mean. So ask people, like as they're sharing, like, hey, you didn't explain why there's two kids in here, not four or whatever, you know? Just go ahead and ask that question. All right, we're gonna wrap up here. Get finish up your convos. Sweet. So I'm gonna wrap some of this stuff up. Why is this kind of communication something that we have to work on or so into as Catholics? I talked about the language of God, that beauty is the language of God and beauty is an experience it's a sensual experience of a truth, trying to make something concrete that's abstract. A beautiful thing is a, a truth that is enfleshed, that's no longer abstract, but real in front of you that you can taste, see, experience, bring inside of you. God speaks that way to us because he knows that we can't understand any other way. Going back, sin. Sin came into the world and it created division. Sin brought fear into the world. 
And fear does two things to the human brain. It makes it very focused on self-preservation and it makes it unable to be creative. It can't access the right brain. You can't be able to be both creative and totally afraid at the same time, okay? What does that do for communication? It makes it break down. When two people are afraid of each other and they're both talking, you can see that they don't understand what anything the other person is saying. Sin comes into the world, Adam and Eve, they hide. They can't see each other clearly anymore. And we see this multiply on itself until the Tower of Babel. Sin comes in and it breaks down even human language so that people can no longer understand what each other are saying. And when there's division, the only thing that can be understood by the other person is a shared experience that both people have together, and that is beauty. When I was on my way over here this morning, uh, I was driving with, uh, in the Uber with Claire, and she got a little, a little pissed at me when I pulled out my phone and was just like texting because we were passing this beautiful landscape and she was just like, why would you not want to share this beautiful thing with me? Beauty creates space for intimacy. And most of the time, as Catholics, we have our heads down letting beauty go by without making shared experiences for each other. And so what I want to do is invite you guys to, help, to practice the creation of beautiful moments for each other. And drawing might not be the thing, but if you guys want an amazing triune God beautiful community here in San Diego, start cooking for each other more. Put on amazing dinners for each other. Make a moment of poetry for each other. Talk about a story that you, you, uh, you loved when you were kids. Go back to these, mo share a song. Here's an idea. Get together, everybody bring a song that taught you about God, but that was not a God song, okay? Like secular song that you cried to because it taught you something about God. Read that with each other and then listen to it. I guarantee you, you will come away knowing those people in a way that you never did before. And then if you want level two challenge, go to somebody that you are in a fight with who's Catholic and give them art. Okay, this is really hard. I've been trying to practice in my relationship with Claire. When we're in a fight, instead of coming back to that fight to explain how I'm right, I try to write a poem about her, a love poem. It for, it's like the, the hardest thing to do in the world, but it changes the game. This is how God communicates to us. Whenever we reject him, he seeks us out. He becomes naked. He goes into the flesh of what we're experiencing. And he speaks to us in moments of beauty, in concrete ways, through people, through a sky, through a sunset, through worship, through music, through the liturgy. And that's what I want to learn how to do together as a community. So now I'm going to open it up uh, for questions from you guys. If anybody has questions for me about Catholic creatives or about beauty, about my, my views on it, I'm not an expert, I'm not an academic, but I can share uh, just from experience anything that you would like. So any questions are cool. And if uh, we're gonna go for a couple more minutes and then I'll go over here to answer any more questions that you guys might have. I hope you enjoyed that talk from San Diego Theology on Tap. 
My name is Pamela Poe, and I'm the Associate Director for the Office of Young Adult Ministry here in San Diego. We would love to see you at our future diocesan young adult events. If you are new to the area, looking to get connected and grow deeper in your faith, we would love to connect you to a young adult group here in San Diego. You can reach out to us via our website, yamsd.org, Instagram at yamsandiego, or Facebook. Thanks again for listening. God bless you, and I hope to see you soon.